Hello there. This is Eddie, host of The New Activist. Doing a quick preface to this show, wanted you to know that this is actually a re-released show. We released this interview with Sarah Groves originally on September 28th of 2016, and we have gone back and punched it up. I didn't change any of the content, just kind of added some stuff to the mix to make it sound a little bit better. And I'm so excited to share this with you. I'll talk more about why in a second, but Sarah is one of my favorites and this is one of my favorite episodes. I also wanted to remind you that The New Activist is presented by International Justice Mission. Before you start this episode, and for real, if you haven't done this yet, it would be incredibly helpful. If you would go to newactivist.is, newactivist.is forward slash IJM and fill out the form that is there, it will help bring life-saving aid to people in need. It costs you nothing. We are asking for about 20 seconds of your time to fill out this form. It is game-changing and I am... Uh, just exceedingly grateful for those that have signed it and hopeful that everyone listening will sign it. Newactivist.is forward slash IJM. Enjoy this conversation with Sarah Groves. This is the New Activist. Well, this is indeed The New Activist, episode 003 with Sarah Groves. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and I am one of your hosts today. With us is our friend, your friend, everyone's friend. That's a weird way to introduce a person, but here she is. Nikki Toyamasito. Nikki, how are you, everyone's friend? Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. I want you to introduce me everywhere I go. Gladly. That would make <laughs> me really happy. You ever met somebody who's like art or writing you really appreciate and they don't quite live up to what you were hoping for when you finally meet them in person? Do you know what I'm asking? You don't have to give names, but you totally. know what I'm asking? Totally. Yeah. 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 Do you want to tell us who? No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but Sarah, so I was nervous because she's so, like her music is so autobiographical and thoughtful. Yeah. And when you see her perform, it's a beautiful mix between like a worship and then a sermon and then a performance. And it's all kind of under this umbrella of Sarah holding church. Um, and I, I was really pleased to chat with her because she is so, so very kind. Yeah. I, I was excited to hear that you were going to talk with her. Cause I think that there's a way like Sarah, the way that she engages with her art, but also with the realities of the world. It's not like she uses one for the other. Like she's just, genuinely the kind of person who actually looks hard things in the eye and asks the questions. And I just feel like through her art, it's been really helpful for me to like hold intention, like beautiful things and heartbreaking things. I don't know. There's just a way that um, she's really honest in her art that I have just loved. And I think particularly as a person in the justice space, like you don't find a lot of arts artists who can actually do that. Um, so I've just really appreciated kind of her voice and perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. And and in addition to that, I would say that um, as someone who is not particularly artistic. Um, I, oh, come on. I've seen you do that ribbon dance. <laughs> it's actually other than the ribbon dance. I am not very <laughs> artistic, but to know me is to know my ribbon dance. 
Okay, I may or may not edit that out, but we'll keep going. No, <laughs> okay, all right, I'll leave it in. That's my promise. The next, right. the next meme is going to be you with your ribbon dance. Oh, don't say that. The internet's going to take care of that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but what was also interesting to me is how, uh, b because I am not really artistic, um, to hear how she went from conceptualizing the issues of injustice um, and and moving into to action in a lot of different ways. I don't want to give anything away about the interview, but she really went from sort of this, uh, it kind of goes very inward to outward, the whole yeah. conversation, right? Because so much of being an artist is processing how you think about the world and then getting to a place where you want to share that art with people. But then, I mean, there's a point and all of us with whatever work we're doing, we got to put feet to pavement and, totally. and she does that. Uh, and it was cool to, cool to see that. And I think that it shows some like integrity in her conviction because I think as an artist, she could have said, oh, I'm like educating people around issues. You know, I'm talking about like I'm I'm using my art right to provoke that conversation. But I, I thought it w there was so much integrity and in kind of how it is that she carries some of these issues that she wrestles with that she also wanted to, in addition, kind of live it, live that out in a really interesting way. Yeah. Yep. I could not agree more. Well, by way of quick biography, Sarah Groves is a mom, wife, singer, songwriter. She has been nominated for seven Dev Awards and has produced a bunch of successful albums, her most recent of which is called Floodplain, and it is fantastic. She also is a part of an artistic community up in her hometown of St. Paul called Art House North. There is a link to that on the episode page. Here is my conversation with Sarah Groves. It's a hard world for a second guest girl. Hello, check. Hello. Great. Thank Eddie, you. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> I've never interviewed anybody that plays music, and I'm always curious, how do you feel about being interviewed? You know, it's interesting because when I first uh, started doing music and all of a sudden, just because of that, because I was a musician, I had people asking me what I thought about different things, you know, and at first it's kind of heady. It's like, oh, well, you know, let me tell you <laughs> for like... Um, I'd go to Nashville and do like, you know, different magazine interviews and stuff like that. But, um, but I would feel, uh, I'd leave feeling kind of mucky. I don't know. You know, if you just talk about yourself for like, <laughs> in what I think this, I think that I remember the first time I went to, um, what was a GMA week was, uh, was a big, you know, time when all the media would come together, all the outlets and all the artists would gather and everyone would kind of hit the same hotel in Nashville and, <laughs> um, and you do interviews all day long. And I remember the first time after I had engaged with, with, uh, work, human, you know, with human trafficking work and was beginning my life, uh, of, of advocacy. Um, I spent the whole time talking about that. And I remember feeling so re refreshed at the end of the day, because, yeah. um, when, you know, just because you are an, an, you know, a songwriter or whatever. I don't know. That doesn't necessarily make you, you know, a sage on any number of things, right. you know? So I think that was my general feeling. Just like, oh, who cares what I think about this or that? So what year was that? When was that? When were you kind of activated in the advocacy sphere of like, and started shifting a little bit your thinking towards yeah. that? So oh three um into about a year and a half in oh three I um to oh four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just doing math. But the um 
I, I was in a bit of a faith crisis. Not, not a bit. I was, I was really wrestling with the Job questions. You know, I was at the, are you good? You know, it's kind of like, all right, I do believe there's a, a, a creative force, you know, what, what is that creative force like? You know, you're kind of starting, strip it all back down to the, right. the very beginning. And I believe I was made, but by, you know, is he a benevolent dictator? Is he, you know, what, what is the nature of God kind of apart from the Bible? Like if I, if I weren't coming at this from this way, um, how do I know what I know in, in any other fashion, you know? And, um, and a lot of it was my own heart was really, I was running and, and hard hearted as far as like some of the things I'd always taken for granted in my faith. So, um, I didn't read my Bible for about a year and a half. I just couldn't even open it. It was kind of like, it felt really, um, it felt very, uh, insensitive to like the world I was in that, you know, I'm, I'm in this world with real trouble and real problems. And this, this book, it just, it felt like a rock. Every time I came at it, it just felt like, um, a closed door or something. It wasn't like opening up to me, you know, the way it had when I was younger, when I was, you know, when my heart had been in a different place. So it's like, that's offensive right now to me because, uh, life is hard and like, you know what I mean? And me, and I wasn't really, I was coming at it in an old way that I d came to scripture when I was younger, you mm. know, kind of proof text and you, you right. find the verses that support what you think. Cause you grew and, up in the church, right? Like yeah, your dad yep, is a pastor. Yep. Yep. And I, I wouldn't say that I didn't believe. I mean, I remember saying, I mean, I was praying constant. I was talking to God constantly, yeah. but I was very angry. And I threw out probably five or six really angry questions. Like often as I'm going to sleep, you know, what is that anyway? You know, and that doesn't make any sense. And so then I entered a season where just like Job, God began to speak and it was unbelievable. I mean, it was very direct like directly tied to things I had said in the way I had said them. So then that moves into kind of, you're starting to have this, you're pulling out of this, this time of questioning that I think that everybody listening is either in or can, if they're being honest with themselves fully mm -hmm. relates to where it's just, what is this and yeah, how the heck, how do you reconcile God? I, mm -hmm. Which is, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. But so, and you're talking about yourself in interviews and yeah. this is like a very much, but you're in an industry that also demands that of you, mm -hmm. but at the same time, there's a shift in you. So kind of, kind of what happens that all of a sudden you start talking about justice issues yeah. on a, on a circuit and I start writing about that and how does yeah. that happen? Well, and you're asking for sort of a chrono chronology, but you know how these things happen is like, right. I can look back as a storyteller and kind of like clean it all up, but it, it's all a mess. You know, I look totally. back at it. It's like, oh I was um, having a baby at that time. I was, there were a lot of things going on. Troy and I, the wheels were falling off of our marriage, year seven around there. We'd been on the road for about four years and we were working so hard. He was my manager. He's like, we, we're in business together, but it's ministry. I mean, the whole thing it's was so, so many edges with no boundaries, right. so many places that we haven't figured out yet who we want to be. So that was, there was a lot going on in that season outside of just, just that one, you know, sort of clean cut faith yeah. struggle. Right. And it was all related. I kind of w would at the time not say that it was, I'd be like, well, that has nothing to do with that. But yeah, my heart was really hard. I mean, I, I was having a hard time. So I was going out on the road and pushing play and just feeling like, um, I remember calling my mom once and, and uh, as I began to come awake again to 
you know, a God that looks like Jesus to, um, you know, some of these ideas now that have been more verbalized and fleshed out for me, but at that time we're like, what, you know, I realized I got a lot of bootstrap theology growing up at church, you know, God's only going to come so far and I needed grace. I needed to hear a grace message preached without any caveats, you know, I needed, uh, to know that I belonged before I believed and before I figured it all out, that right. my my belief system wasn't what was going to save me or my, you know, believing all the right things or whatever. And I realized that this this effort and energy that as a church we were putting into the Sunday morning experience had really led us to an obesity and a sense of like of lethargy and um, inertia, you know, that was like, uh, hard to get, you know, like what it was, we had kind of just come to circle there. And I just, I felt like I looked up and saw the, my friends at IJM, uh, believing God in a way I'd never seen anyone believe God. Like I'm going to go over here and go do some stuff, you know, and in through teen challenge, people that were in recovery through seeing people and hearing people's stories coming out of IJM, it was like that, that story is really what pulled me back in that God's word and work in the world is real. He is working through his people and, um, and yeah, just transformed the whole thing for me. That's really such, um, it's such a timing thing, right? Because you you had to have been exposed to great work by different organizations, great people doing great things, a lot. There's something in your heart oh, and yeah. something in you that was primed to hear and see that work. And I had been meeting with and talking to all kinds of not you know NGOs about, oh, you know, would you be want to be an advocate partner? And I had just always said, no, no, you know, I hadn't found the right place. I'd done yeah. a lot of different things. And I, the, what I say when I read about IJM is my heart was ringing like a bell. And I'll say that to audiences often, like some of you will go home, a lot of you will go home and say, that's incredible. Wow. That makes me think. But some of you right now, you're not going to sleep tonight and you're right. going to pace the floor wondering how you can be involved. And um, yeah, so, and that's been really rewarding to see the the power of advocacy. I mean, in a way, you you just have to talk about what you love and what moves you, what stirs you. Um, because not everybody is going to resonate, but when someone does, I've often found myself at IJM, you know, years later, and I'm talking to a young person saying, you know, wow, how did you get here? Well, I was at your concert in Oklahoma and you talked about IJM and something happened. It resonated, you know, so a few of those stories in and I thought, wow, advocacy matters, you know, Um, just catching those people whose hearts are primed to hear that, there is still modern day slavery and yeah. there's still a, a place for the modern day abolitionist. So that's the interesting thing is you, you say, I'm going to spend my life doing this. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really hard part for people to wrap their heads around is like, what do I actually do? Yeah. Right? And, it, and it, to me, like, I feel like hearing your story, a lot of it was just sort of asset mapping your life. Like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I can play songs. I can leverage an audience. Yeah. And people are going to hear what I'm saying. And so I'll start talking about these things more. Was that kind of how it worked out for you or? Yeah. And how do I do it in a way that's really kingdom, you know, um, Charlie Peacock uses a phrase, uh, and I had heard it long before this, but when this came along, I thought, Oh, that's, that's what my call is. That's what I'm on earth to do, you know? And he talks about awakening the kingdom imagination in any number of areas, you know, in every area, you know, yeah. the kingdom. Right. But this this moment when I realized, oh, no, all of the requirements have been met in Jesus. 
it's available to you. It's not bootstraps. It's grace. It's not bootstraps. It's not bootstraps. It's available to you now. The right. kingdom of God has come. What is Jesus's? And that's that was a question that was really steering me. What is the good news? Right. You know. So at first, I think you're asking questions of like, I can't handle. Can I handle this? No. You know. No, you can't handle it. You can't. None of us can handle it. But you do get past that into a place. And so I asked Troy. I said. I think you and I would walk past or send a check to, you know, the, lo the local homeless shelter or whatever mm -hmm. if we saw a man beaten on the side of the road. I think this type of activity takes some practice. I think that we have to be uncomfortable and like kind of practice being first responders. Yeah. And so that was the season I was in right then. And that was uh, when Katrina hits and all that. That's all part of when I'm meeting IJM and learning about their work. Oh. That's that same fall. Tell me about your response to Katrina. That was so interesting. Well, I had said to Troy on Saturday night, Yeah, I got between him and the TV, he was watching football, and I said, we are not the Good Samaritan. We're not. We write a check. We do other, you know, stuff that's right. important, but uh, we'd, would, we wouldn't even know where to begin. We need mm -hmm. to practice. Can Will you promise me the next time something happens and it looks like that's our opportunity to practice being the Good Samaritan that we right. will do it? Will you promise me we'll do that, you know? And Troy's like, We'll be the Good Samaritan, I promise. You know, we'll do it. We'll start practicing. Good. I like it. Got you know? It. Great. Got Back it. to the game. So Sunday night, Katrina yes. hits. So Sunday morning at church, I was overcome. Uh, I come from a AG background. <laughs> Some of you got background. And it was just the Holy Spirit. I mean, I just was yeah. grieved in my spirit. And I couldn't figure, I didn't know why, but I could not stop something not praying. Right. And yeah, I was just very, very moved. And I'm, I'm experiencing this rebirth of my connection with God, right? About all this is all happening all at the same time. So, um, I'm just praying and, you know, I uh, couldn't even stay in the service, had to leave. Cause I was making such like a snotty mess of myself, <laughs> and, like go in a corner and just, yeah. you know, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I sign up, I'm in, you know, right. I'm all commitment that night, the, uh, the, the hurricane hit and, you know, then as the next couple of days unfold, we're watching children dehydrate on TV and we're mm -hmm. watching and thinking Louisiana is far. It's not that far. It's not so far that, that this baby is dehydrating on TV and I'm sitting in Minnesota, you know, like yeah. I've been to Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not this. that far. Yeah. And the, and everybody was saying, don't come, don't come. But I just felt like, so the funny, the funny thing is first I came to Troy and I said, I think you and your dad need to go. And so funny. Would, <laughs> so that was your way of you writing a check. Yes, you go. exactly. Well, because obviously I can't go because the news is saying don't right. go and yeah, you'll, a, you'll know what to do. And, right. and I've got kids and I've yeah. got this other stuff going on. So you you guys need to go. And Troy's <laughs> like, huh, you know, I think you were the one saying you wanted right. to practice being the Good Samaritan. So I was kind of terrified. Yeah. But we had the idea uh, since it was babies that had sort of triggered this in us. Mm. We filled the bus with baby supplies and people came out. The local radio station got behind it. And we stuffed every bunk, every like floor to ceiling, awesome. diapers, formula, everything. We drive down there. We have no idea where we're going. There's sort of a loose network of like CB radio talk that says like this church that had been roughed in but not finished. It was like a warehouse. Yeah. Um, is uh, that that's become a point in Slide L. So, you know, we ended up, we pull into this parking lot and the, the, a person comes and greets us and, and there's clearly already like somewhat of an operation going on, but there's no phone calling or, you know, there's nothing really to connect us all. We just kind of feel like it, it's, it feels like close encounters of the third kind where we're carving 
you know, this thing out of our mashed potatoes. And then we're all showing up at devil's rock, you know, in a devil's tower. So we walk up and I remember the guy that was running that had kind of just taken leadership, you know, of this, of this operation. And he, he comes up or a woman had come up first and, and, um, and she said, what, you know, what are you guys doing? We're, we're from Minnesota and we've come with baby supplies. And she just falls out crying. I mean, oh. just like, Oh, she's like, Dave, They've brought baby supplies. They had literally, they've got set up in this Ruffton church building, like what was going to be a new church oh. is just cement floor and basic wall structure has been turned into a, a super Walmart, basically, where people can walk through and get, you know, all the stuff they need. They had just run out of baby supplies. Oh, literally, no. she's like, we just, and she's saying, and everyone's saying like, it's been like this the whole time. It's been like this the whole time, right. you know, like the something runs out and then some truck pulls into the right. driveway or into the parking lot. Like we have no connection to them or to say, mm. Hey, phoning in, we need more baby supplies. So that was our first moment like that. And yeah. we witnessed that over and over and over again. So next Sunday I'm standing in church and we're singing who has seen the storehouses of God. Oh. And I'm thinking, okay, this, these aren't just songs. You like, I, I have seen a storehouse of God, right. you know, a roughed in church. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's the whole thing's changed. Like my faith, everything, the, the songs I'm singing, it all is rooted in real life gospel, you know, real right. life, good news, the body of Christ. And honestly, we didn't see FEMA. We saw the Salvation Army. We saw the church. But that's the moment, isn't it? Like, that's the thing. It's, we're not going to write a check. Giving money is valuable. And it is, yeah. please, people, give money. You know, it's really mm -hmm. important. But for you, the moment, like, what you needed was, you needed to be the hands and feet. You needed to yes. activate. You needed to do something. I had to just go. And and I know that that's complicated, you know, because not everyone can go, you know. But I do think there is a moment with, with most activists. I remember hearing about a woman who started one of the, largest shelters down in Kansas city. And she was bringing a meal to a family in need. And she got to the church and they, the, the truck had already left. So she had to deliver it herself mm -hmm. and she's driving. And she's like, I've always heard not to go past, you know, like 42nd street. And uh. she calls her friend, like what happens after 42nd street? And, you know, and yeah. the numbers start going down and like, what, what happens? What yeah. do I need? What am I looking for? And so she gets out in this neighborhood. That's kind of, you know, that's rough. And she's not used to that. She's actually never been down there. Yeah. And um, she comes around a corner and uh, runs smack into a, a homeless man and the food goes everywhere and whatever. And she's, oh, my word, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's talking to mm -hmm. him. And he looks at her and he says, um, with, all, with all sincerity, he says, can you see me? And she said, yes, I just covered you in gravy. I'm so sorry, you know, yeah. um, and what can I do? And, and, uh, and he said, no, wait, you can see me. And, and she said, yeah, yeah. And he said, I thought I was invisible. Oh. He had not been engaging with other human beings because we, because the people around him were not looking at him. Well, right then a seat, like something happens in her heart. It's like, oh my word. So her family ends up moving, you know, into the inner city, starting mm -hmm. this food shelf very imperfectly at first. You know, we all have, there's a learning curve. You're going to be stupid. Yeah. You're going to do stuff wrong. You're going to save really stupid stuff. You're going to go teach people and say, this is the way you're going to feel like, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have judgment towards other people who aren't getting going, you know, and you're going to feel like everyone should be on board with your thing. You're going to learn all this stuff, you know, and then you're going to realize, oh, I don't know jack squat and 
but I sign up and here I am, Lord. And, um, you know, you're going to go through all those same cycles, you know, where, and then come out, but just showing up and submitting to that prompting that ringing bell is there's no, there's no way for me to convey to anyone what that will look like for them, because that's just the Holy spirit. That's you following God. There's a planet of people asking, can you see me? I mean, that's, that was her. We've, you've asked the question yourself. I've asked the question. Like there's just a, we've all there. That is, that is the common human experience. Am I seen? Am I known? Mm -hmm. Wow. And for her, the coin drops, you know, for me, it was all those things. You know, I feel like in Rwanda, I learned, oh, suffering, these people know my God in ways that I don't know him because they've suffered. Suffering equals, uh, there, there's some sort of gift in that, that you cannot get to any other way. And so tell me what you know about God and the human soul and how all this stuff can fall apart. And you're still singing, like, how does that happen? You know? Mm. And, and then, you know, at Katrina, it was about just action, even, even grossly inept action. You know, I mean, there were many things about it that we look back and it's like, you know, um, there's really no perfect way to enter messiness like that, right. you know, but you know, there were women, a woman came up to us. Um, and she said, uh, I've got a foot of mud in my kitchen. Is there anyone here who could help me clean it out? And I remember at that point thinking, no, because we're all stretched right here right now. We all mm-hmm. are doing a hundred things, but there are like 50 women in my church who would gladly stick on waiters and help, you know? So clean when I mud. came home, I just said, you know, man, there's stuff to do. The thing with missions trips and that, that gets into a whole other thing is right. when helping hurts and you're, you know, you become more of a burden, you know, than a help. Right. And that's all complicated, but that's all like, don't let, we shouldn't let that stop us from trying stuff and figure it out, you know? Man. Sarah, I think that's it. That's long. I know. No, it wasn't. No, no, no. Don't say that. That was just great. Isn't Sarah just wonderful? I'm so glad that she took the time to chat with us. I've actually recorded this little ending part, I think, four times now because I've just been way too preachy. There's just been so much that I've been thinking about, and I don't want to dominate the conversation. I'm more interested, actually, in what you have to say. But I have to say one thing about this. Sarah is an artist, and we know, and she knows, that a song, a photograph, a painting, your words matter. This artistic community is so incredibly important in the work of activism. And I think on a broader scale for some of us who may not be artists, I think we're all artists in our in our heart in a sense, but for maybe some of us that are not really resonating with that, you can use what you've got. You can use your career and your uh, opportunities and your sphere of influence to to help When your bell is rung by something, know that you've got what you need right now to start to make a difference in the world and to be an activist. If you would like to chat more with Sarah, you can find her on Facebook at Sarah Groves. There's no H in Sarah, by the way, S-A-R-A Groves. You can find her on Twitter at Groves Road, and you can go to her website where you can and really should it's not like a shaming kind of should. Like, you just should because it's wonderful. You should buy her music. Her new album, Floodplain, is great. That is at sarahgroves.com. Also, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we're on Facebook and Twitter. 
both of them are New Activist Is. So you can go to either one of those and look up New Activist Is. We have a website, newactivist.is. And I hope that all of those are helpful places for us to engage in conversations together. Also, as we continue to make our way in the podcast landscape, if you could make your way over to iTunes and subscribe, that would be super helpful. And if you feel so inclined, you can leave us a review and some stars. It really does help other people to find the show. Thank you so much to the JJ Getz and Clayton JD and Brianne GK and PJ10. All left us great reviews and we really appreciate it. The music for our show today was composed by Ether. You can listen to more from Ether at soundcloud.com forward slash Ether. That's A-E-T-H-E-R. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of my colleagues at International Justice Mission, I am Eddie Kuffoltz. Take care, friends. <laughs>